Uh, so obviously we didn't get to the intro track Mm-mm. this Mm-mm. week, uh, but I've got some time set aside for this coming week yeah. to do it. We're both going to take take some time off work to do this. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna and we're gonna do like a remote session and and work on the track. Anyways, uh, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Dipped in Tone, episode six. I'm Rhett. I'm Zach. And we're trying something new this week. Um, we have a Discord live chat going. So shout out to everyone who's uh, who's listening to us live. That's uh, that's a perk for our Patreon supporters. We've got uh, we got a handful of people in here hanging out, chatting yeah. with us while we're recording. Of course, my audio is apparently still choppy, but we'll we'll work on that. We'll fix that. Right. Yeah. This is a this is a work in progress. Yeah. Uh, but this is cool because we can interact with people in real time. So if you're interested in joining that up, you can uh, join our Patreon for what is it, two bucks a month? That's it. Yeah. And that's uh, that's helping support the show. Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, we're we've got quite a few people that have have signed up, and we're gonna keep working on finding new ways to connect with people and. And offer cool things. We're working on some some merch and some stuff that's going to be... We'll try to do some like Patreon-exclusive stuff, too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some merch ideas. Oh, speaking of merch, do you want to you wanna show the logo? Are we ready to show sure. the logo? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually really excited about this thing, man. Um, yeah, I, I'm, uh, it, it was uh, a lot of work from my, my dear friend Bill. And uh, it's cool. I, I'm excited. I think it's going to look great on some foil stickers. Ooh, yeah, good call, man. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyways, what's new with you this week, Zachary? Uh, oh gosh, well, I, t- I took off work. Um, so I, I've just been hanging with the family, trying to not, like, go out in the garage and solder anything unless I have to, but, uh, but that's been good. It's been weird. I'm starting to get, like, uh, as of yesterday, I was getting kind of anxious because I hadn't worked, mm-hmm. um, but most of my things are caught up, so it's just been, you know, kind of nice to to push the reset button. And all of the mythos work that I have to do is uh, is pretty much tackled. And the delay pedal prototype that I've been working on, the analog delay, um, the boards arrived, so I sent them to my builder. And so hopefully in a few weeks I'll have a brand new analog delay that I can start. I'll send you one and a few around to see what people think. So I'm yeah. really excited about that. But that's. It's basically it, which is so, that's good. Do you have any more uh, details to share on the the analog delay? Yeah, it's gonna be um, it's it's uh, full analog, so it uses two thirty two oh five chips, which is like the classic Japanese delay pedal chip, you know. Yeah. So um, it'll have around six hundred milliseconds with a tap. Um, the tap will be the only like programmed part of it, but it's basically gonna be you know, the most simple analog delay that, that you can get with a tap. So just three knobs, time, mix, repeats. How, how um, close How close is it going to be to this? Well, that has 900 milliseconds of delay. Okay. So, but sonically, the way it's going to repeat and the way it kind of, because um, I feel like that, the Maxon AD999 has a nice hair around the repeats. Mm-hmm. And it's always on the cusp of kind of running away. So we kind of bake that into my new delay. So hopefully it'll be kind of like that, just with less delay time and a tap tempo. 
Speaking of your delays, this is also your delay that yeah. I, have to, <laughs> I have to give back. <laughs> Long-term loan. The last time we saw each other was like in, in uh, February. Well, last time I was at your house was like oh, yeah. in February. And you were like, oh, yeah, take these and borrow them for a couple of weeks. You're going to be back in Nashville in a couple weeks anyway. You can just bring it back. And I haven't been back since February. So Then the world stopped. <laughs> so it's okay. I don't miss it. I, I really miss it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will just box this stuff up and send it back. Um Although I, I am going to be sad to see this thing go. I'll tell you what. I'll trade you <laughs> trade you your pedal back for <laughs> one of your new uh, delays. How about that? All right. Fine. Great. So that's cool, man. What's what's the what's it going to be called? Do you know? Well, I made a delay. Well, I was working on a delay, and I called it the Oracle. And then I canceled that. But since I already kind of made that name, I think I'm just going to call it the Oracle. Uh, so... It's the the old one was digital had like you know subdivisions and chorus and all that stuff and it was cool but I, I just like simple so yeah. yeah the oracle and I don't know it's gonna it, it may even be like pinkish colored I just I just like that sort of look so right we'll see nice well that's cool uh, I had a pretty exciting week somewhat I got a new desk chair oh that I'm currently sitting in so that's that's a thing. Um, good good it is exciting because the previous desk chair i had i've literally had since i was in middle school <laughs> and it finally gave up the ghost uh so yeah that's um was that, that the my, highlight of your week it's the height of my week man <laughs> uh no it's normal you know it's we're we're getting ready for the next backstage live show october 10th saturday 5 p.m <laughs> eastern time we're doing a case study. It's the first of a, a new style of show we're calling case study. And I guess I'll announce it here. Um, it's going to be a Jimi Hendrix case study. So essentially, the whole set is going to be Hendrix tunes as digested by this band. We're still working on the name. Um, we have oh, a couple band? of ideas. Skylark the Kid is one of them. Um yeah. Then I, I was talking to my grandpa the other day, and uh, in the '60s, he worked. He he and my grandmother both worked for the FBI in D.C. in the '60s, and that's where they met. And he actually played in a band around D.C., played rhythm guitar, and they were called the Avantes, which I think is super cool. And yeah, the part of the story that's cool is that he uh, he had to quit. The FBI came to him and told him that he had to quit because they found out that apparently the other band members were either connected to or part of the mafia. <laughs> and so he had to, they were like, yeah, you can't do that anymore. So he had to quit his band. That's uh, awesome. So, so I feel like we, as a tribute to my grandfather, I'd like to work maybe Avantes in there somewhere. I think that's a cool band name. So anyway, we'll see. Cool. Check. Yeah. Checking in on the chat here. Um, Matt Lynn's asking, what are the first reactions to the new JHS line? We're going to get to that sure. in a second. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the Hendrix case study, it's basically going to be a whole set of Hendrix songs as digested by us and kind of an exploration of like the Hendrix sound and why we all love it so much. And We'll see. That's going to be cool. Are you only going to play your Strat? Um, no, actually. <laughs> um, so... I'm going to play a Strat, and I'm going to play my Firebird, 
tuned to D standard. Oh, okay. Yeah, which sounds righteous, man. That, yeah, those Firebird right. pickups tuned down a whole step. Cool. That's yeah. uh, that, that's that's cool. I mean, I think uh, uh, I'm just excited for when you do a ZZ Top case study and I get the call. I'm invited. Don't uh, <laughs> don't joke around with that. I'm I'm telling you, I want you to come down and play. We have the channels, we have the inputs, and I want yeah. to. I don't like being the only guitar player. Right. Um, is Gibson letting me keep that Firebird? It's unclear. Um, when I when I picked it up, I had to fill out a form. It's part of their. They have this program called um, ER something. It's basically like their artist relation loan program. So like you would, oh, you're going on tour. They they loan out a whatever three thirty five or whatever. So technically it's on loan, but they haven't asked for it back. And that was a made, while ago. Yeah, it was. Well, that was in February. That was the day that yeah. I remember that, that was, you and I went. That was to the, the last day we saw together. each other. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm if they ask for it back, I'll probably buy it from them. To be honest, that guitar is badass. Yeah. And, and I really cool like guitar. it. So. Because it's Heather Miss Polly, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. one of their Nam guitars. Um and I don't know, man. I, I never knew until I got my hands on it, but I, I think I am a Firebird guy. They're weird. Uh. <laughs> if you've never played a Firebird, like they're real weird. The whole guitar is shifted to the left. So yeah. If you think about a normal guitar like sitting in your lap, the first time I played a Firebird uh sitting down where your hand naturally falls to strum the guitar is behind the bridge. Yeah. Because the whole thing is shifted this way a little bit. See, it takes a little getting used to, but man, that guitar kicks ass. Yeah, they're a, they're a standing up guitar, in my opinion. Chivalry says Justin Derrico had a Gibson on loan. They never requested it back. He's had it for 11 years or so. He says, <laughs> I, I have a friend, um, uh, Graham Whitford, who has a custom shop, Les Paul, that he's had for like 10 years that's on mm -hmm. loan. And... They've never asked for it back, so it's fine. Brand <laughs> ambassadors, it's, it's all good. Uh, anyways, so we're talking pedals today. Okay. Um, all right. Well. <laughs> See. <laughs> um. So you're a pedal builder. Mm. I'm a pedal player. This week, there's been two new pedal announcements that have come out that are on two completely different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> that, yes. I, I, there's an interesting discussion. Do you want to do you want to talk about the first thing you and I were talking about the other day? Yeah. So um, for those that maybe aren't aware, Chase Bliss has started this new series with um, uh, basically collaborations, I guess. I don't know down the road what they're all going to be, but it's... The Automatone, which was a collaboration with Benson, has all the sliders. It's super programmable. It does all sorts of stuff. And then the next one is a collaboration with Maris, and it's the CXM1978, which is basically like a studio reverb with every bell and whistle possible. And uh, they had talked about it. It's been, I think that was maybe shown before the Automatone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's been in the works for ages, and they finally announced the pre-order and I got quite the sticker shock when I saw how much that thing was retailing for. Um, it was pretty uh, taken aback. How much is it going for, Zach? $900. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, it's a lot of money. It's, it's, 
It's a whole lot of money. It's a lot of money. You know, I, I thought the automaton at is it seven or eight hundred dollars? I think it's seven fifty. Someone someone in the chat can correct us. It's um Yeah. I think it's seven fifty. Yeah. I I thought that was a little high. I mean, I understand it's not your average pedal with this normal off-the-shelf parts. It's yeah. by no means that. But it's a lot of money. Um, considering, and this is something we'll get into, the the um, availability of so many great digital things that can do so much yeah. in a comparable price, a cheaper price, or have a higher price and can do way more than is even possible. So... Um, hot take I what, mean, do you, what do you uh, I mean have you, you you saw the knobs demo right I think he's the first <sighs> like kind of demo that, that came out about it right I, I saw the knobs demo and I t I don't understand like like I his demos exhaust me a little bit so when you, you sent it to me and I started watching it uh I, I was just like, I was bored immediately. So I was like skipping through and it just sounded like a bunch of noises. Mm. So like to me, I need to see a demo of someone just saying, here's a setting, play a chord and like yeah. hear the thing. Like hearing it in context sometimes I don't feel is the best way to dip your toe into understanding how something works. So dip your uh, tone. Dipped your tone Ooh. toe. Yeah, but I I I need to like watch a little little bit more about it. But to me, I I don't care because it's something I would I have no interest in using. It, it I don't need that much reverb. Like it has no place in anything I'm doing. So I just I don't care. Like yeah. I, so I don't know that 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 seems harsh. But you know like. If you're not a compressor guy, why would you watch videos about compressors? You know, mm -hmm. like, you mm -hmm. know, if you don't play acoustic guitar, why would you watch acoustic guitar videos? I don't use that much reverb, mm -hmm. so I don't really care about this crazy reverb pedal. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, um, I, I don't think it's harsh. I think it's an honest opinion. So I, I have a, a different perspective on it. And this is why I think we work well together as a as a... A dynamic duo here because you and I are very different in in our tastes. So I watched the knobs video and really dug it. Um, I like what I think his name is Scott. I, I like what he does on guitar because it's so different than what I do on guitar. His like his sound is so textural and and um, granular in a way. I think is the best way I'd, I would describe yeah. it, which is probably a terrible way to describe it, but. Um, so I, I liked the demo. I thought it did a good job of conveying what that Chase Bliss Maris thing does. I want to back up for a second though, and talk about the preamp Mark II. The preamp Mark II is expensive, um, at 750 something dollars. Chat, you're letting us down. Somebody was supposed to tell us how much it is. It's 750 <laughs> something dollars. Um, it's really expensive, but... I I could justify that to myself based on the amount of things that that pedal will do and and what it does well. I think it's it's a great preamp, it's a a tone shaping EQ, it's a great sounding fuzz 
And even in just the category of fuzz, it can do the silicon thing, the germanium thing, the super smooth fuzz face thing, the super spitty kind of thing. It's a great sounding overdrive. You can throw an expression pedal on it and and turn it into a wah. Uh, Matt says 750. He checked. Cool. Right. Um, so I think at 750 bucks, it's expensive, but I think you are getting quite a bit for your money. The reverb thing at $900, I I don't I don't really get it. I think, um, well, I do and I don't. I think when I texted you yesterday about it, my immediate justification was, oh, this is this is a studio tool. This is essentially like yeah. they're emulating a uh like a piece of rack gear from the late 70s some of the early digital reverbs from the late 70s and early 80s um and they're putting it in a different form factor with the the flying faders and all that kind of stuff which is cool yeah i don't see the the market for that though right because if you think about okay well if it's more of a studio grade piece of gear which might justify the price well why why would you buy a piece of hardware like that when there's plugins now that do these sounds really really well for much less money yeah and then on a pedal board if you know so some specs on it stereo in and out um 32 bit yeah um a to d conversion right so it's 32 bit i mean it's it's a studio grade reverb 100 like it's it's not a a pedal for your pedal board it's a full-on studio grade reverb but i wouldn't then put that on my board to go like in front of my tube amp right yeah you know and that was something that that i said it's like the majority of people that are going to eat these up are not going to be i mean maybe i'm wrong but i feel like the most people that are going to get these are going to be the dude that has no way to justify that Mm. you know i mean i feel like a lot of pedals or overkill and, and and i mean looking at it from a financial standpoint you know like because the, the thing i said yesterday is like you know you're gonna have a 900 pedal running through a 10 dollar cable to like a 400 amp like you know there's a lot of people that do that and i think that's kind of we we need to like keep everything in check a little bit and it's fine if you you know i'm not trying to say you're not allowed to spend your money how you want to spend it i just think keep things realistic you yeah. know, I, but I don't know. I, I need to play it. I would love to play it. Honestly, I, the automaton thing or the, the Benson preamp, whatever it's called. Um, when I first saw that and I saw your video and I saw some other st- stuff about it, I thought, eh, you know, eh. but when I saw that pedal show actually comparing it, uh, and I'll, I'll link this to other circuits and how close it could get to a clone and a screamer and a blues breaker. It's like, Oh, okay. Wow. That's a little bit more interesting because that to me justifies a price, you know, a clone, if it could, it could get a clone sound. There you go. More than uh reasonable spending $750 versus two grand, you yeah, know? Right. And then you have all these other sounds, but the reverb thing, you're right. I just don't see who the end user you know, who's, who are they trying to target with this thing? Well, I think you and I aren't their target audience, which is why we don't get it. <laughs> who um, is though? Like who, who, I don't. The, the preamp thing, I think you're right. I, I think the preamp Mark II, even at its price is one of the best pieces of gear to come out this year. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. 
if anyone has the means and they're interested in something like that, I would recommend it. Uh, especially if you could find one used floating around. Um, but the reverb thing to me is just, a, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's like, I don't, I don't see the, the target audience here. And at that, at that price point, I think it's hard to justify for a guitar player. Yeah. I think if you're a producer, you know, I have some, some friends that are producers and songwriters and they have amazing studio setups. Those are the people that I would see going for this kind of thing. But even in that context, you're using plugins a lot of times. You're using, uh, I don't know. It's it's just a different it's a different thing for me. I will say I think they're going to sell. I think they're going to do really well with these. One hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. They, they, I mean, have have they missed with any product that's any of their last products? No. Like... And and Chase Bliss, man, Joel, those guys at Chase Bliss, I think are really. I think they're killing it with with their stuff. You know, yeah. it's like every everything they put, every time they put something out, it's like it just creates a buzz, and it's something cool and unique. And even if you don't get it, right? Like the mood, I have a mood. I don't get the mood, but right. I like playing it. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's cool. It's a lot of fun to play, and it's inspiring to play. Um, the blooper is not really for me, but something like the the tonal recall that right. looks sick or the brothers or whatever you know yeah they, so. they are discontinuing some stuff i think they're discontinuing the brothers and the condor and i feel like they're discontinuing something else um yeah because they you know they're not selling as many of those and it's hard to keep you know a, a, a product going when mm -hmm. it's just hanging on you know it's a lot of money that you have to invest just to you know, for parts and enclosures and stuff, you know, so I get it. And, and I think that's probably a smart move because the brothers is a cool overdrive, but you don't really see them, you know, yeah. on a lot of boards. Yeah. So, I mean, from a pedal builder's perspective, what do you think about, I mean, because Chase Bliss pedals are so complex, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's going to lead into the next thing. You know, I feel like, I feel like they are kind of overkill and I feel like most people don't use Chase Bliss stuff to its full potential. Mm. Um, I think whenever I have seen people use it to its full poten potential, it's been very impressive. Like I saw Joey Landreth play the basement once and I can't remember which Chase Bliss pedal he had. I think it was the Therme and he was like down on the floor, like switching things on the fly and like making things happen. And it was amazing. Like it was yeah. incredible. But most people are just going to use these pedals as pretty standard pedals. And that, that kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like, let's keep things in check and keep things realistic. Like, are you going to, can you justify this to yourself? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I would argue that most people don't even use timelines and all those to their full potential. Right. And most of the time, it's it's kind of a status thing. It's kind of like, you know, I'm part of the club now. Yeah. So, it, it, and and that that's you know I I'm I do that yeah but I I do think that you know we just got to remember like get something that's going to inspire you but is useful to you first and foremost yeah yeah I think um I think you're right on that for me the the most recent example of that is the night sky um that's not something yeah. that I would be able to justify buying for myself the type of player that I am and the things that I do, yeah. 
uh, and, I, and I talked about this in the video I made for it. It's like, it's a cool thing to have floating around the studio for those interesting kind of sounds. But for most of what I do, the Big Sky or the Ventress or, I mean, any number of other like reverb boxes will do the, the things that I want and need and find inspiring to do. Um, so yeah, to me, I see, I see this chase bliss is kind of the same thing. Like it's cool. Um, I don't know that I would be able to justify spending the 900 bucks on it because you have to think like $900 can go a long way in the guitar rig world. Um, so you kind of have yeah, to weigh your options. Like, way. where are you at? So yeah. if somebody came to us and said, Hey man, I've got an overdrive and and a you know a boost and a wah, and I'm thinking about buying this reverb. I would say no. <laughs> you should. Right. There's so many other things you should I think get before you spend 900 bucks on one pedal. Uh, but if somebody's got a little bit of everything and they want something that's different and unique and that excites them and that it thinks it's going to inspire them and they're real like stoked on it, by all means, man. Yeah, I I. I... I try myself to not fall victim to hype, um, and I feel like in the guitar community I do okay at that. But right. you know, it's it, it 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 will get hold of you, and like the hype leads to gas, and then you just have to you know find a way to to get it on a credit card and pay I for just, it. I just heard Yoda when you said that. I leads <laughs> to gas. Gas, <laughs> gas, gas leads to hate. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a t-shirt right there. Hype leads to gas. Hype leads to gas. We need to we need to finish that phrase. Hype leads to gas. Gas leads to yeah. Finish that. <laughs> so speaking we'll of uh hype. Mm. JHS dropped some new stuff today. Yes. I am kind of surprised because uh I heard about this a few weeks ago. Like someone sent me a picture of like a leak of it and I, i'm gonna be honest i thought that's not real <laughs> that that's just somebody like made this on uh -huh. the do-it-yourself stomp box page yep. and is having a laugh and then this morning i woke up and i was like oh <laughs> it's it's real yep so yep. it's real um i have them oh you have them yeah you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> so it's the jhs three series Mm-hmm. So take what we were just talking about with the Chase Bliss Maris Reverb, and now we're on the complete other end of the spectrum. Okay. So Chase Bliss has put out uh these pedals, the three series, and whose handwriting is that? I'm not sure. Oh might be, man. It might be Josh's actually. No way. Um Joshua. Joshua. Joshua Heath Scott. Uh, I, I will say I'm actually pretty excited to have these because this is just stupid, nerdy, uselessness, but these have no serial numbers on them. Oh, man. Um, so essentially, Reverb. what we have here is a line of pedals that are the most basic. I mean, by the time you've, you've heard this podcast or watched this on Monday, you will have seen this. But uh, for people in the chat, these are like super bare bones, basic circuits that retail for, I think, like, like a hundred bucks or something. They're, yeah, they're all a hundred dollars. 
Yeah. Dude, this is great. Yeah, have you played them yet? No. Oh. I haven't had time. <laughs> I legitimately haven't had time. I haven't had time. The the um tube screamer you sent me like three weeks ago. Uh-huh. Haven't had time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone at me in the comments and tell me what a what a terrible person I am. I'm sorry. Um I haven't played them yet, but I love the idea and I think more companies need to be doing this kind of thing. Super accessible, great sounding pedals. So, um, funny enough, I had been working on some stuff like that. Uh oh. Uh, and I mean, like, it's not a new idea, like making a cheap line of pedals. Um, mine was a little bit different, but I, I had, I had five or six circuits already, like, roughed out. Yeah. The computer like ready to get some prototypes made uh and then i kind of forgot about it and then this morning i was like damn it like <laughs> always missing the boat <laughs> but it, it's super smart it's so smart for them to do this i think it's smart for anybody to do this i think it would be smart for you to do this jump well, on the train man well you know i think okay i the, i think that it can be smart i think it depends on your brand mm. because like JHS is arguably one of the most well-known pedal companies in the world. Yeah. Uh, after Boss and Ibanez, I'd say JHS uh, is probably sitting right there. Electroharmonics, you know, like right. they're in the top five. Yeah. Um, and they have such a wide reach, and their their YouTube channel is just exploded. So I think it's super smart for them to say, "Hey, here's this budget line of pedals that gives you, a, you know, your foot in the door to our brand for a really reasonable price." You know, I think that works. I think you know if Analog Man did this, and he kind of does, he does the mm -hmm. Prince of Tone, but if he did like a ninety-nine dollar Sunface, that would hurt his brand. Ooh, so, yeah. you know, it, it's 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 an interesting thing, but I think for them, it's it's they're going to sell a million of them. Right. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I had not considered. And you're totally right. It's about it's about your your brand. I think like, yeah, Bill Finnegan came out with like a seventy five dollar clon. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. All the all the KTRs would plummet in price. It yeah. just it cheapens things. But I I think I think it's really smart. Uh theories in the chat says Prince of Tones are hard to get now, shot up in price on reverb. Mm. Um that speaking of that might be because of the analog man video that Josh just made like last week. Did you see that? See that? Yeah, I did, and I'm sure that's part of the reason. Yeah, uh, yeah, because a Prince of Tone you can get new for like a hundred and twenty ish dollars or mm -hmm. something because they're made mm -hmm. in China. Um, but they're they're or maybe I don't know if they're made in China. They're made overseas. Yeah, uh, they're fine. You know, I yeah. had one. It's fine. Uh, but but yeah, you know, I think it's all about. You know, making sure you keep your brand identity, you know, solid. I think you're right. And for for JHS, I think this is a really, a really good move. Um, yep. And I think for the guitar community as a whole, it's a really good move to have yep. um, circuits that are accessible, that sound really good. This is going to be able to get people into this side of the guitar world much easier when i think back to like 10 years ago when i started buying pedals um first of all i didn't know anything and this was like right at the beginning of like youtube gear demos i mean you had andy at pro guitar shop doing stuff um 
we should get him on the show, man. That'd be sure. amazing. Um, yeah. But I learned about pedals and stuff by just going down to uh, Atlanta Discount Music and talking to Jimmy down there, who's still there. Shout out to Jimmy, Atlanta Discount. And I would I literally didn't know anything. And he, he kind of like took my hand and walked me through everything. And the first overdrive I bought was the ZVEX Box of Rock, which was amazing. Nice. That's a good first overdrive. Yeah. And then I bought a, an exotic BB preamp, which is another great. Man, my, your, your first pedals were way better than mine. Well, yeah, but it was like I, I could afford to buy like one pedal every yeah. year, three months. Yeah, three to six months, I'd buy one pedal. So like the first year I started buying pedals, my board was the Box of Rock and uh, the T-Rex Tone Bug Reverb. Do you remember those yeah, little Tone uh -huh. Bug series things? They were like a step above the Dan Electro stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was bad. Um, yeah, they're not good. But that's what I could afford. And so, like, when right. I look at this kind of stuff, it's like, oh, man, 99 bucks? I mean, you could walk in, if you had 300 bucks, if you could save 300 bucks, you could put together a pretty bare bones but usable rig for 300 yeah. bucks with something like that. Yeah, totally. And, you know, like, when I started out, um, the, my entry into guitar pedals, as far as, because that was, you know, 20-something years ago, um, was the was the Dan Electro things? I mean, mm -hmm. like, the, you know, MXR, whatever. You know, the, they were around. But in my small town, like, the only uh, place to get pedals was either at the the dealer that had PV pedals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which you know, ugh. but uh, at the it was either Sam Goody or whatever it was before it was Sam Goody. They had guitar stuff, and they had the Dan Electro pedals, and they actually had like the. Uh, the little plastic pedal board with all of them and you could bring your guitar and play. And so that's, that was where I first played like a, a, a chorus and a tremolo, right. you know? Um, and like what JHS is doing with this line, it, it's just right out of the gate. You have better quality all around in, in, in a product that's going to, unless you break it or you put just the wrong electricity to it, it's going to last forever. Right. You know, those little Dan Electro things, if you moved them the wrong way, the knobs would just pop off. Right. You know, it's like, it's it's incredible. And, and what this is going to do for their brand is just, people are going to say, man, I want this overdrive. And then, you know, six months to a year later, they're going to get a Morning Glory or they're going to get right. a double barrel or whatever. You know, it's just, you're, you're, you're locking in that user base to your brand. And it's, I, I should have done it. <laughs> well, I, again, man, I think you should. I don't. I don't see why you shouldn't. I think that okay. that could could work for your brand as well. Because when I when I think about Mythos, I think of Mythos pedals as like really solid, uh, great sounding, great looking pedals that are not inaccessible, but they're not like bare bones kind of you know entry-level guitar center right. Kind of stuff right you're you're kind of in that like mid-market which i think is what you're trying to do yeah yeah um so i think for you it could be cool to offer like you know maybe not a full line because this is there's what one two three this four five six, six seven yeah pedals in here right a chorus a fuzz a delay a reverb overdrive distortion and compressor right so it's yeah. like a whole you could build a whole rig a whole, for whole pedal board 700 bucks yeah still less than that chase bliss <laughs> 
you could you could buy every one of those pedals a power supply and put it on a cheap pedal board for the price of that reverb oh oh i mean dare i say i think i could get a guitar and an amp and one pedal and do a gig with the same amount of money it would cost to to do that um yeah chase plus pedal yeah uh matt in the chat is asking do you think the quality is just as good as these new ones as their higher price pedals uh do you think the higher prices are still worth it that's a good question i think they are using the same stuff um well okay hold on let me back up uh jhs i i have seen their schematics like josh and i have talked uh I think from a hardware standpoint, it's going to be exactly the same. Same switch, same pots, same jacks. You know, yeah. it's simpler. I mean, one thing like Rhett can show the power jack is is um, it's not wired. It's it's on the board. Literally everything's on the board. Uh, that'll focus. There's like <laughs> there's a reverb or I mean, a, a ribbon cable. Sorry, that connects the the board with uh, has all the pots and stuff to the foot switch board with the jacks and the foot switch. So. There's no offboard wiring with these. They just fall in a box. Really easy to make. Simpler than the normal JHS line of stuff. Right. Uh, and, and they are being made at their shop in uh, Kansas City. Well, they're doing... I mean, I, I, right? I do take a slight issue with that Uh-oh. because, um, you know, they're being assembled there. You know, I don't Shh. know if Should they're Should I crack doing, this one open? If you want, let's do it. it you're probably just going to see the backs of the circuit boards. Um, the I'm sure the circuit boards, I, unless they have acquired a pick and place machine, uh, they are probably getting the boards done for them, which is fine. That's what 90% of all other pedal builders do. But I feel a little weird sometimes because I've taken off like assembled in Nashville and all that from mm-hmm. my most of my stuff i say i i'm based outside nashville but i feel like that's a little hinky but i know they're doing the final assembly and the testing and all that at their facility which is fine but you know where do you draw that line you know if a circuit board is made you know in another state or in another country but it's all being put together here in the states who who where do you say it's made well actually i had an interesting discussion on um the uh, tone talk show with uh, Dave Friedman about that a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. a few months ago now. Yeah, and um, he—I didn't know this, but he was saying that in order to say "made in USA," apparently, someone can correct me on this, but the way I remember having the conversation was apparently to be made in USA. I think all or a portion of the components have to be made in. Uh, in America. So that means like the, for an amp, he was saying for like Friedman amps, they can't say made in USA right. uh, because they're getting their components and everything from China, their transformers or whatever. So well, even though yeah. the amps and everything are built in California, you can't say made in USA. Yeah, all the components. I mean, even like, I mean, and I'm talking the good, good quality stuff. It's all made overseas. You know, if you had caps made in America, and I've bought, like, you know, I buy paper and oil caps for my guitars, and they're wound in America. Uh, they're $20 a piece. Right. All right. You know? So here's the uh, here's the board. <laughs> it looks it's just, just like uh, some other 
Man, something's up with my camera. It, I was filming a video. There we go. There filming a video yesterday, and it just won't focus for some reason. So, yeah, you're right. It's just the back of the board. Yeah, so everything, all the components are on the other side, which, uh, and, and one thing, too, I think one of the reasons why these are affordable is JHS, with their own circuits, they're taking classic stuff and working on it. You know, they're trying to yeah. make it better. And that development is partly why you get the price point. By the looks of these, they're taking fairly common classic circuits, tweaking them a little bit to make it work in this form factor, and putting it out. So it's yeah. like you don't have that, you know, six months, a year of, you know, working on the perfect this or that. It's just like, oh, it's overdrive. Does it sound good? Cool. Print it. You yeah. Know? Right. Uh, but again, you know, the trade off of that is. Yeah, you're not getting something that is um, in any way boutique or you know exclusive or any of that kind of stuff or unique, really. Yeah. Uh, but the trade-off is they're really accessible. And I think for people who are first getting into this world, um, these kind of things are really, really cool because you can afford to experiment and try new stuff. I remember like early on going to shops and like really sweating over, man, should I buy this pedal? Like I like it playing it here in the shop, but God, it's like 300 bucks. And, right. um, it, you know, what if I don't like it and then I have to sell it and then I'm going to lose money and, and all that kind of stuff with, and it's not just JHS. There's other companies that are doing this like more affordable, accessible thing. With this, it's like you can afford to throw, you know, or at least it's a lot easier to be able to afford to throw 99 bucks into something to see if it works, especially for like, you know, the overdrives and fuzzes and everything I think we'll do well with, but sort of more the modulation stuff. Like if you're not sure about yeah. the chorus, but you want to try out like a good analog-ish chorus pedal, you know, I think that's a, that's a cool place to start. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and another thing too is like if you need that sound, and you don't want to spend an arm and leg on it, you know, there you go. You yeah. know, like that, that's something that, you know, whenever, uh, when, when I worked at Carter, we had a lot of the Moore pedals Yep. and we wouldn't sell them that often, but the ones we did sell were the weird ones, you know, like the mm -hmm. flangers and the octave and stuff, because somebody is like, well, I got this one track and I'm doing, you know, I just need the sound. For like a few bars yeah and so they get that instead of a pog or you know whatever right because it's you know 50 60 bucks right yeah it's so. it's worth it for that one that one thing so yeah man i think they're gonna do well and the other side of this too that josh when because they sent these to me a while ago and um he and i were talking and we we took a short break from talking about bicycles to talk about pedals and he said and I want your thoughts on this. They announced them today and there's already, I don't, I can't remember. There's already like several thousand of them are already like at dealers and, and ready to buy. I think he said 10, I, I, I thought I saw 10,000. Yeah. That's what I thought too, but I, I could be off base. We'll correct it if, if we're wrong. Yeah. But for now, for the sake of conversation, 10,000, they've already... So it's not a thing of like, hey, we, we're launching them and then they'll be available in November. Like, no, man, they launched them today and you could Ready go to go. a store and buy one. That seems like 
uh, that took some logistical doing? Well, you know, JHS is a big company. And um, honestly, those pedals, the, the reason they're so cheap is they're not hard to make. Mm. So if you had dedicated people just putting on foot switches, jacks, and stuffing enclosures, I mean, on a, if, for example, for me, whenever I build stuff, and most of my stuff is kind of built in a similar way, similar way, it just falls in. I'm actually going to a little bit more of a labor intensive method that's, I don't know. I'm excited about it, but it's <laughs> going to be a little bit more work. But if I have everything prepped, I can build 60 ish in a day, just me. So if, you have a team that's doing this. You can really, you can earn out hundreds a day. Yeah. So it doesn't take long to do that. And, you know, JHS have people that have stations. And so one person does one job and they pass it on. You can just, you can, I mean, you can make some stuff pretty quick. So it, it's definitely a lot of things to, to get built and to get shipped. It's a lot of shipping. Uh, but man, I, uh, I, I think they're going to sell out, <laughs> not sell out, but they're going to sell a ton of stuff today. It's going to yeah. be a good day for guitar stores. <laughs> oh man, I know this sounds like a commercial. It's really not. No, um, I mean, this is. I mean, this is how it is. Yeah, it's just how it is, and and it's a cool thing. You know, I think, I think it's good for the guitar community. I'll be excited to see what what people say about them. Uh, what guys like you know that pedal show think about them. Um. I probably won't make a video to be honest. I'm I'm kind of in this place with my YouTube channel where I'm I don't know. I feel like being done with making pedal videos. Yeah. I mean this is something we talked about before, yeah. but it's it's like I don't know. Like I don't really even watch them. I watch that pedal show just to hear Dan and Mick talk about other stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that light behind me died in so my, my room. <laughs> Just look like I'm in a cave. Oh my god! Just set your just set your phone up behind you, like have it shooting at the back wall. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like from like a personal perspective, I I'm not enjoying making that type of content that much as I used to. Like you know, I used to make these videos getting really in depth on the piece of gear, and it was like really exciting and fun for me to make. And the thing about my YouTube channel is if I don't if I don't enjoy making the video and I don't want to make the video, I'm not, I'm not going to, um, right. It, it doesn't matter. Like, that's why I don't, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but that's why I don't do like paid stuff really. Um, yeah. other than, you know, getting paid in gear, which is a form of payment. Um, so yeah, but the pedal thing, I just feel like there's so many other people now that are doing a, a, a better job than me at it. Um, other channels that are coming up and then more established channels like that pedal show. I'm, I'm kind of getting into a place where I, I want to make other content like the, the, you know, what is the sound series? Yeah. Like to yeah, me, the, that's really exciting right now. And I'm having a ton of fun making that stuff. And it's very interesting that the PAF one that you just dropped is, is great. And like, there's not a lot of people doing that apart from like throwback themselves. Um, who is a guest on the video. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool, actually. So you're the one that hooked me up with him um, and with John from Throwback. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think, man, I think that that kind of content, there's, yeah, there's a whole, there's, it doesn't really exist in YouTube, at least 
in the way that I'm doing it. And I'm having a ton of fun because I'm learning. It's like a musical anthropology kind of thing. I love that store. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't really hear what you just said. Cause you dropped out. <laughs> I said, I love that store. Oh, oh, okay. Now that is funny. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I realized I just said, yeah. Womp. <laughs> um chivalry in the chat says Rhett, do you feel it's because you found the gear that works for you so new gear doesn't really speak to you as it once did that's a really good question um no actually like i i still find gear really exciting i, I still get excited and and stuff about new gear but i think it's more about like the content itself you know I, so i'll shout out this this new channel that i found um Oh, cyber man. attack so this is what i'm talking about when i when i say like i think there's people out there doing it better than me um cyber attack this dude named ivan I, I shouted him out in the night sky video last week he had he makes these videos and they're not like gear reviews or demos or anything but they, they're focusing like how to be advanced on a specific pedal he just put one out this morning on the boss harmonizer awesome. yeah I think what he is doing is so incredibly unique and cool and fascinating and informative that I kind of, I watch his stuff and I just feel like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't need to make any video remotely close to that because it won't be as good or as cool as what he's doing, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, um, uh, I think cool is subjective. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's funny. It's interesting. I like, I, I, I could see myself watching his channel, um, more for, entertainment than education yeah it is it is like an entertainment kind of thing uh yeah. he's a great player ivan is his name he's a great player um and the sounds that he gets i find really inspiring we should we'll link his channel um, yeah he's only he's at like under a thousand subscribers right now so i feel like we should we should show him some love and some yeah with our his way. with our thousand subscribers yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah so I don't know the gear, the gear video thing. I'm just not as interested in making that kind of uh, content sure. at the moment. Yeah, I'm sure I'll get back to it eventually. But right, yeah, yeah, man, I I don't see how you could do it like in a demo way. Because even for me, like just demoing my pedals, like I haven't done demos of the new art yet. Uh, like all the pedals have, or well, they will have all new artwork. Mm -hmm. And I've demoed the Mjolnir like so many times and the Chupacabra every time I make a new version. It's like, like, what do you even play, you know? Yeah. And when I sit down to do it, it takes me all day just to sit in here and like, you know, plink away, like trying to find something that's like inspiring where I can get two minutes of like, oh, this sounds good, you know, go mm -hmm. buy it. Right. But man, like I, I just, I don't think I could do that either. You know, I, man. I don't see how they how people do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting, but I don't know. So all that to say I probably won't do a video of like the whole the JHS line stuff. You'll just you'll use them in videos yeah, yeah. and yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll be around and and I'll use them and probably throw them on a board. That's the fun thing about the backstage live show is I essentially get to use all this stuff in the context in which it was supposed because i think that's the other thing too that i don't like about it it's like i really miss playing live yeah and like working i really miss working right now like going to rehearsals and and traveling and and so 
I'm really fortunate and really privileged to have all this gear. And I, I feel this sort of like tension and frustration right now of like, I'm not like, I don't want to use it just to make YouTube videos. Like I want to use it. And so for me, that's, that's a big part of the backstage live thing that I find really fun is I get to, you know, play, play. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this stuff will get used. Um, like for that Hendrix show, I'm using one of their, the JHS, um, that Buzzface clone that he put out. Sure. The, sm- the smiley. Yeah. The smiley. Yeah. I still haven't played those. <laughs> They're good, man. I want to, you know, it's funny. Like I, I get messages because like living in the pedal world, you know, I think everyone expects me to play everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to continually remind people like, unless someone gives it to me, like I don't really go to guitar stores to like play stuff. I don't really go to guitar stores that much anyway. I go to Carter's to like just talk to my friends, but right. like, you know, I, I don't, I just see videos like everyone else does. I mean, I have opinions, but like very rarely do I get things in the mail unless it's from a really close friend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I buy stuff, but now I'm at the point where the stuff I buy is usually cause it's a really particular weird thing yeah um and mostly the stuff i'm buying now is related to the live stream so it's like di's and xlr cables and fun (laughs) stuff like that oh Um, man but yeah like that polaris the spaceman polaris i bought a couple weeks ago i bought that because it does a really cool thing that nothing else i really know of or have does you know sure yeah so that that's a like it's always fun to find something new and interesting that like does add inspiration that you kind of stumble across because you'd never even heard of that pedal, had you? No. Like, yeah. Let's see, that's awesome. But very rarely do I go to like, like I'd, I'd never go to a guitar store to like, I want to try some pedals. Like, what do I, I don't need pedals, you know? Like, like I, last week we talked about that pedal book, the, um, the one that the knobs guy did. Yeah. Pedal, pedal crush. Pedal crush. And everyone was like, are you going to get it? Like, no. Like, why, why? would I get a book about pedals? Like, I know these. If like, I have a question, I'll just like text Nick Greer. Like, Hey, is this thing? What is this thing? You know, like, I, I don't uh, know. Nick Greer. What, what a great guy. Oh man. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's such a character. I, yeah, love, I, him. I love him. I really love him. Yeah. He's one of the people that we live an hour away from each other, but the only time I ever see him is at Nam. Right. But, uh, he's just the friendliest, coolest, most down to earth guy ever. He's he's one of the coolest people in this industry I know. Yeah, totally. I, I uh he always hops on the live streams and people ask, "What are you do- going to do a collaboration?" I was like, ah, like we don't know, but I am trying to convince him to help me design my Mythos amp. Yeah. So where are you that, at with that? Uh what I just said, that's about as far as I've gotten. Got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> do you know what like do you have it conceptualized at all or what? It'll be a combo. All right. Uh, no, I mean, really, uh, no, I, I, you know, I want something, uh, I just want to make kind of like my dream grab and go amp. I mean, not that I really have anywhere to go right now, but, <laughs> uh, like something that's kind of a high headroom tweed amp with a little bit more bells and whistles that would function well with the, um, the aux and, you know, just like have just like, a little amp that has enough power and isn't heavy and sounds good. Something tweedish, 
you know, but like in the 30-ish watt range. Oh, okay. You know, because I was going to say, it's like, sounds like you're just describing a, a Tweed Deluxe, but. No, more, more power. Because like, I like the Tweed Deluxe, but I don't like how it falls apart when you really push it. Um, and honestly, I don't really like tube rectification uh, mm. because I like the immediacy of solid state rectification. I mean, you can do, you can have a little less sag, but that's usually higher wattage. Mm -hmm. So like, there's a few little things. I mean, like, I don't know that I, it's, it's all just spinning around in my head and I don't uh, know how to get it out. But honestly, Dick doesn't have time to mess with anything I would do. <laughs> that reminds me of a, um, recently I played, so speaking of gear that I want to buy, uh, the Morgan JS 12, the Josh Smith yeah. little tweed combo thing. That's kind of um, what I want to make. Maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like what you're describing. <laughs> um, it, it sounds really good, man. It yeah. sounds really, really good. They have one at Righteous. Actually, they had, I think it just sold. But I'm kind of looking for that same thing. Mm -hmm. Just a small little combo, tweed, fender-esque. I think we both, we, we have a mutual affinity for the tweed thing. Yeah, um, yeah. In fact, that was going to be my video this week. I was going to do what is the tweed sound, and then my tweed blew a power tube in the <laughs> middle of filming the intro. That's so I was like, I was recording the uh, the brown sugar intro, and because uh, that's what that's what he would have used on that first record, right? There's no actual record of what he used. I mean, to me, it sounds like a brown face deluxe, or or maybe a super or something. Um, but I mean, tweed, it's so close to that, you know, yeah. it sounds maybe. real tweedy to me. So I started, I started recording that I got through the first rhythm track and then the guitar or the amp just started like <laughs> <laughs> while I was playing. Oh man. Oh, the best sounds I've ever heard in my life have been tube amps that are about to die. <laughs> like we had a, um, it was like a, a blackface Princeton, I think. And I was playing it and it was just like, just gnarly, dude. It sounded so awesome. And then uh, it just went, Puh, and it blew all the caps. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah. So, tweed amps, I think, I think, yeah, that to me, I get excited most when it comes to gear, I get really excited about amplifiers. I love yeah. amps. Uh, Amp Amplified Nation just sent me another one to check out. What? Um, it's their Amplifonics and Gain, so it's like the uh, okay. Ultraphonics kind of thing. Right. I'll send you a picture of it, um, and maybe you can put it up in the in the video if you want. But it's sure. black suede. Oh, it looks badass. Nice. Um, I uh, I've been I've been following him on Instagram and like commenting and hoping that he'll be like, Hey, do you want to try an amp? <laughs> He's been slinging them out, man. It's um, the, I think I think Taylor's trying to like get his name out there, and I think it's yeah. working. But yeah, I think like he's been sending them. You know, I, I've got a couple right now, and again, this is one of those things in the gear world where it's like unclear: is this, is this on loan? Is right. this like I, I don't I don't know. Um, so I'd be happy to buy one. I, I want to try out this Amplifonics and see how it compares to the. Uh, to the that one over there, Wonderland. That, what is that one called? Oh, the Wonderland. Wonderland? Jesus yeah. Christ, words are hard sometimes. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, he's been slinging them around to RJ's got a couple. Mark Agnesi, I think, just got one. You know, yeah. So it's, it's clear what the uh, the marketing move is right now yeah. over there at Amp Nation. Just real quick, speaking of Mark, um, I think we should talk about this Gibson Slash collection because oh yeah, that should. video just dropped, and I don't know about you, I'm feeling slashy. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not, not feeling slashy. <laughs> Um, man, oh man. Uh, yeah. Okay. I've There's got them pulled up on the internet. I'll I'll drop in some pictures. I, I want to hear your hot take on this first before I give my hot take. Uh, my hot take is who gives up about Slash anymore? Like, I just like don't understand why Gibson like just backs into that corner so hard. Like, I get it. He's famous. He played in a band a long time ago and people still like him and like you know cool whatever but like they've made slash model les pauls for how long you know a, a I, long time like, yeah I, I just i just don't i just don't care i don't care yeah so you know? you know why why they're doing it because they're gonna sell a shitload of them <sighs> you think yes I mean, yes they are so here's the deal. I don't I don't get it either. Um, I think to answer your question, who gives a, a <laughs> f about slash anymore? I think a lot of people do. I'm yeah. not a slash. I'm not a Guns and Roses fan, really. Um, I did. I didn't officially meet Slash, but last year we were on tour and um, I was standing side stage watching the show. Uh, it was on the Gary Clark Jr. tour and uh. had a moment where we were standing there. And um, look over. It's like, oh, that dude kind of looks like Slash. That's weird. Just watching the show, and I looked over again, and he had like the backwards, you know, the the trucker cap backwards, t-shirt, whatever. And I look over, I'm like, I don't know that. And then there was this giant dude standing behind him, who was, um, he had uh some he I don't I don't know Samoan. I don't want to be that guy. That's right. You know. He looked like, you know, but he had the tribal tat thing, mm-hmm. like, all up his arm. Kind of. This was a man who was not to be fucked with. It right, was very, yeah. It was very evident, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I looked over again. I was like, oh, well, there you go. That's, that's Slash. That's there my Slash is. story. Uh, I just saw on the Gibson website, it says, setup is included on these guitars. So, Well, hey, there you go. At least there's that. <laughs> I, you know, I just don't understand, like, I mean, like... I, you're right. There are a lot of people that are going to want these guitars and are going to buy these guitars. Um, are they in my generation? A few. But people under us, they don't care. And to me, this is another... And, and not to just you know completely shit all over Gibson, but like another instance of them not moving forward. And... Like where where Fender and stuff, it's like, you know, they're they're hitting those new people who are playing guitar and keeping that part of the market interested yeah gibson's not well they look backwards yeah so you know why though right because they have money right yeah so you think about and i agree right like there the thing the thing that i would like to see from gibson is like i i think you can do both you can do the old thing well which to be fair i think they have they've done i think with the the vintage series i think great that's 
that's what I was talking about in my rent video a couple of years ago. It was like, hey, go back and do this really well at an accessible price. I think they've ticked that box. But also, the thing that's working against them is they are sort of, their brand is like their, their dad blues boomer guitars. Yes. Yeah. You know? And which works for me because I think I'm a boomer trapped in a millennial's body. Same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you look at Fender and you're right. Fender is doing a much better job of capturing the younger, hipper market, the more current artists. A lot of them are playing Fenders. You don't see a lot of them playing Gibsons. But when you look at what happened to Gibson, Chapter 11 bankruptcy, they brought in new leadership, Cesar, JC. Those guys, their MO is taking companies from financial, on the, on the brink of financial ruin, restructuring them, putting a whole new strategy together to make the company profitable or to liquidate the assets of the company. Right. That's what JC pretty much did with Levi's. Um, so what they're doing, and from a business perspective, strictly a business perspective, I think it's smart because they're tar who's going to spend all that money on guitars? Who's going to buy the custom shop stuff? Who's going to buy the slash signatures? Boomers. Yeah, yeah. Who's got the money to spend on that stuff? Boomers. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and this is something we were actually doing a live stream on Instagram and Cesar was in the stream and I was saying, you know, why don't they bring back some of the great student models and do like, I feel like that's, there's so much untapped potential. And I think some of that's coming. Um, but like th with the really quirky Epiphone shapes and some of the weird, you know, Gibson shapes, the melody maker, there's a lot of like cool guitars that you can make affordable and accessible that still has the Gibson name on it. Because his whole point is like, we have Epiphone for that, mm -hmm. but People don't want Epiphone. They want Gibson. You know, like it's it's a rite of passage. It's a, a, a you know a landmark that you reach in your playing career where you say, "I have a Gibson now." And if they had that sort of thing, I think they would do so well with that, and they would enter into an entire new market if they were making quirky, cool guitars that sounded great and looked good, like like what um, Harmony is doing. You know, yeah. like that to me is so smart and there's so much potential there. And that ship is quickly sailing in my opinion, uh, for Gibson. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing I think, and I don't, I'm speculating here. Um, I think their plan, their takeover plan was get in, get cash flow rolling. And when you look at what they've done over the last year, that's what they did. And they yeah. targeted their market that had the cash to roll in. They did a lot of these one-off, um, like the Tony Iommi custom shop <laughs> thing. They yeah. sold all of those for ridiculous money, stupid mm -hmm. money. They sold all those things out. Um, they reissued the 50s and the 60s style Les Pauls, the SGs, all that stuff. And I think they were successful in that. They were successful in targeting the older market who wants to reminisce about you know the, the glory days of guitar. Um, and to be fair, I'm glad they did because I don't, regardless of who's at the helm, I don't want to see Gibson fail because yeah. I love like the guitars as they stand. I love Gibson guitars and I love what that company has done for guitar history and music history. Same thing with Fender. Yeah. Um, 
So, but I agree. The slash thing, it's like they announced it at Nam, and my thought was like, oh, again, <laughs> like, yeah. How many slash series does this make now? Uh, it just exhausts me. But <laughs> and I think you're right. They've done a lot of good <clears throat> for the brand as a whole to bring it back to where it should be. But I think the next step is where do you take it that ensures that this Gibson legacy doesn't die out when these players do? Yeah. I think that's the next step. And that, that's what I think they need to like look to Fender and, and see what they're doing and emulate it. You know, that's right. what they, that's what they did back in the day. That's what they need to be doing now. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. And the good news is I think they're listening they're yeah. paying attention. I mean, like you said, Cesar was on that stream mm-hmm. that day. And uh, we were, you know, we weren't we weren't being kind with our words on that stream no, about what we thought I, Gibson should be doing. I felt kind of bad after I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But they're listening. I've, I've had yeah. conversations with those guys and, and they, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, for the most part, yeah, they're a business. They want to make money. I mean, that's Fender wants to do the same thing. And it's interesting. I think people are are quick to jump on Gibson for being like a corporation and like, oh, they're just in it for the your money or what. It's like, well, dude, so is Fender. Like 100%. You can't get more corporate than Fender. I mean, that's you talk about like why people like John Mayer left Fender because they're a giant corporation and they function like a giant corporation, mm-hmm. right? Um, any of these companies, they're in it to make money except for novo i think right i think dennis doesn't really give a shit about money i think he just wants to make guitars but yeah that's evident by how many prototypes he's knocking out like (laughs) i think i've seen some stuff that you probably haven't even seen no 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 i no no i have are you sure from novo yeah yeah yeah, i know okay well anyways (laughs) we should move on from this subject i uh anyway gibson do what you got to do to make to, to keep yourself alive Please, just no more Slash stuff. Listen to the community. That's the biggest thing. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, I think we we just about covered it. Yeah. This has been a good episode six. Thanks to everyone for hanging out in the chat. This has been great. Um, Shout out to Chivalry and Evan and Design Chef and Theory, you know, and Matt, everyone hanging out in here. It's been cool. I like having the live commentary. So if you want to join in while we're taping these live, you can join us up on Patreon. And then you'll join the Retshull Discord server. And then you just send me a direct message saying like, hey, I just joined up. And then you'll get a role so you can have access to the voice channel while we're recording. Do what he says. I don't know how it works. <laughs> do what he says, man. Just do what he says. Um, do we have anything to plug? I don't think so. Uh, you know, be sure to... Like, comment, and subscribe on the video. Rate us on iTunes. And can you rate on Spotify? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Sure, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Just uh, give us a thumbs up wherever thumbs ups are left. (laughs) (laughs) Great. That was great. We're keeping that. All right, everyone. We'll see you all next week. Uh, We love you. We miss you. We. I'm going to end it. All right. Bye.